It's my pleasure to welcome to this week's show Dr. Lisa Feldman Barrett. Good morning. Good morning. You are a distinguished professor of psychology at Northeastern University, and you have appointments at Harvard Medical School and Mass General. Uh, tell me about your latest book, How Emotions Are Made, The Secret Life of the Brain. Well, the book challenges conventional ideas about the way emotions work and why they matter for your life. So it details, I guess, historic. there's some historical discussions as well, but really the last 30 or 40 years of research evidence on what emotions are, how they work, and more generally what that means for your life and for our ideas about human nature. Now, why was this um, really important for you to focus on? Well, the research or writing the book? Writing the book. (laughs) (laughs) I wrote the book uh, because I was asked by a number of journalists to always answer the question, why does it matter that we have uh, incorrect beliefs about emotion? Why does it matter that we get uh, our understanding wrong? Why does that matter for people's everyday lives? And when I finally sat down and thought about it, I realized, actually, it matters a lot. It matters to how the government spends or wastes money. It matters to how we socialize our kids. Mm -hmm. It can sometimes be a matter of life and death. Sometimes people even lose their liberty or their lives uh, when they or someone who is interacting with them uses an incorrect belief about emotion. And were there some surprising discoveries in doing the research? Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been doing this research for, you know, t- more than 25 years, and certainly I'm not the only one. I'm also writing about other people's research as well, and I think one of the really big discoveries in the last decade or so in neuroscience is that your brain, my brain, all brains on the planet don't react to things in the world. So to us it feels like we see things and hear things and taste things and so on, and then we react to them in some way, but in fact brains are built and run in a predictive way, meaning you're not reacting to stuff that happens to you. Your brain is predicting what's going to happen next, and then it uses information from the world uh, to confirm those predictions or correct them. It's, I'm listening to you, and I'm thinking, how does this impact, the, you do all this research, how does this impact your relationships with people? Because you know a lot of stuff most people don't. Well, it depends on which people you're talking about. I mean, I've been married for more than 20 years, and so it hasn't really interfered with my, uh, <laughs> with my, uh, you know, it's not like I have the upper hand uh, all, yeah. all the time. Sure. I, I do, though, think that it, it, it does give me a bit of insight that, that's helpful for other people uh, when they read the book. So, for mm-hmm. example, to us it feels like we just read people's faces, right, that body movements are a language that you can read, but in fact... That's not actually what's happening under the hood at all. What's happening is that your brain is guessing. It's making a prediction about what someone's emotional state is and what they're likely to do next. Those guesses happen really automatically and without any sense of effort from us, but they are just guesses. So 
one thing that it does is it, it sheds a whole new light, for example, on debates about sexual consent. Mm-hmm. It, uh, you know, makes you, I think, slightly more humble about your sense of certainty that you read people really well. Even when it feels that way to you, you know, you're really just guessing and you can be wrong. Sure. Which means that you have to check and you have to be uh, a little more responsible about being a clear sender of your own uh, messages. And it also helps, I think, to realize that uh, really what your brain is doing when it's making an emotion, so emotions aren't really built into your brain from birth, your brain makes emotion in the moment as needed, and what it's doing is it's using a set of ingredients. It's trying to understand the meaning of internal bodily sensations in relation to what's going on around you in the world right now. And so in this way, the same ache in your stomach can be hunger if it's dinner time. It can be anxiety if you're waiting for the test results in a doctor's office. It could be a gut feeling that someone is not trustworthy uh, or even guilty of a crime if you happen to be a judge in a courtroom. And this is helpful. It's helpful to understand that there are a set of ingredients that your brain uses to make a motion so that if you want to change your emotional life, you can start by changing one of those ingredients. And which is why I wanted to have you on the show, because I'm really interested, especially having a show that's called Get the Funk Out. I'm interested in ways that we can help control different emotions at times, like anxiety and, you know, fear. And like I'm I'm very focused lately on meditation, even if it's out for a walk. Um, Do you have any thoughts on that, especially when it comes to teenagers? Absolutely. So I think one thing to realize that I talk about in the book, but that most people don't know, is that your brain, you know, didn't evolve to, uh, to see and feel and think. It evolved to regulate your body. It runs a budget for your body. It's not budgeting money. It's budgeting glucose and salt and water and so on. Mm-hmm. So it's running a body budget. And when you, your body budget is in the red, when you're running a deficit, you're going to feel like crap. Well, guess what? We live in a culture, particularly adolescents live in a culture, that's maximally designed to disrupt body budgets. Yes. Um, People don't get enough sleep. They don't eat properly. I know I sound like a mother when I'm saying this, but (laughs) I'm actually being a neuroscientist, which is what I tell my daughter (laughs) when I say these things to her. Sure. Um, You know, we, um, people are on um, social media Uh, often for large portions of the day, which is filled with ambiguity and uncertainty uh, because you can't see people's faces usually. You can't hear their tone of voice. There's, you know, you often can't even control when they respond to you. And this kind of uncertainty is actually super hard on uh, a body budget. So there are lots of reasons why uh, people might be having let's say, more disruptions in their body budgets are running a deficit, so they're going to really feel like crap. Mm -hmm. And what happens when, for example, you're faced with a situation where you don't predict very well, things are really uncertain, um, what you feel is arousal. And most people are are learn to make anxiety out of arousal. They learn to make uh, dread out of arousal. 
when in fact arousal is a perfectly, feeling aroused, jittery, is a perfectly biologically normal reaction or, 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 um, or stance uh, when you can't predict very well and your brain's trying to learn something new. So, you know, my, I'm not saying that you can just, uh, you know, change, uh, get rid of distress by doing a couple of Jedi mind tricks and telling yourself that really, you know, you're not anxious, you're just aroused. Although yes. I do think that is a good strategy. You know, one thing uh, that I saw my daughter when she was 12 years old, she was testing for a black belt in karate, mm-hmm. and her sensei, it was a 10th degree black belt, wow. told her not to calm down, not to be, he didn't say don't be anxious, he said get your butterflies flying in formation. Oh, I like um, that. Which is a different, right, so it's, it's not denying the feeling. It's saying, hey, this could actually, even if it's unpleasant, it can actually be a really useful feeling for you. But I think there's a deeper message here, and that is that there are things that you can do to change the ingredients um, of, uh, that go into making emotion, and you've touched on some of them. So one way is to literally get more sleep, actually, right. um, to exercise on a regular basis, to um, do the things that will replenish your body budget. Don't stay on social media for long periods of time and so on and so forth. Another thing that you can do is you can change the situation that you're in. So remember what I said about how your brain is making sense of what sensations in your body mean in relation to the context. So you can change the context. You can actually literally get up and move, take a walk outside, or change your uh, surroundings, and that actually will change the kinds of predictions that your brain is making, which will change your feeling. Another thing that you can do, you mentioned mindfulness. So mm-hmm. what if you can't literally change your environment? You can't literally move to a new context. You can just start paying attention to the context that you're in differently. That's what mindfulness is. It's noticing things around you that you didn't notice before. And as a consequence, uh, your brain starts to predict differently. And then the last thing that you can do um, is uh, also reprogram your brain, which is probably the hardest thing to do, to learn how to make um, emotions differently, to give different meanings um, to the sensations in your body, which will cause you to act and feel in very different ways. So, for example, you can learn to, you know, make uh, determination by getting your butterflies flying from formation instead of feeling anxious. Or nice. you can learn to cultivate experiences that, uh, that are sort of like alternative menu items that your brain yes. has the capacity to make. If you, for example, practice feeling gratitude or awe or compassion, these are things that at first, uh, take a lot of effort, just like driving, you know, mm-hmm. it takes a lot of effort at first, but then you can get kind of automatic at it. And the same thing is true for learning new emotion concepts, learning new emotion words. These give your brain a lot more flexibility and kind of, as I said, more menu items to choose from when making sense out of your internal sensations in your body. This is so fascinating, especially when you talk about um, teenagers, because I have... Uh a teenager, actually, up to one's in college. But the younger one has struggled with anxiety and different issues. And I tell her, you know, that the things you do now, the routines you establish now, become lifelong routines. 
And one of the things I did was I signed her up for ukulele lessons. And she originally said she didn't want to play guitar the way I have played guitar. I said, that's fine. But just have some kind of outlet, make it fun. Well, I have to tell you, she has taught herself some songs. I hear her strumming along. And, I, and it's become this, uh, you know, thing that she can do to decompress. Absolutely. So the really cool thing about music lessons or language lessons or even reading a book is a challenging book, one that's going to transport you to another place and time, is that it gets you outside of your own head, right? It gets Mm -hmm. you to stop focusing on yourself and you start focusing on something um, outside of you. And that's actually a really great stance because it takes the focus off those internal sensations uh, and uh, as a consequence, it diminishes any, or at least turns down the dial on uh, any uh, distress that, that, that people are feeling. So obviously, this isn't something that works for people who have anxiety disorder necessarily or who are depressed. Right. Uh, because those are cases where, you know, the body, person's body budget is so compromised at that point um, that other kinds of uh, interventions or help is, is often needed before they can get to the point of using music lessons or knitting or painting or, um, or athletics or, or some other kind of strategy um, to regulate the body budget. Yeah. That's so interesting because I do feel like sometimes you have to, um, you might need to go talk to somebody, you know, but you shouldn't um, think you're the only one with those butterflies and perhaps those butterflies, as you mentioned, can be used to your benefit. Absolutely. So, you know, one time, I'll tell you, my, my daughter was traveling with me. She's also in college. And um, we were traveling, and, and she was really sleep-deprived. And she was feeling quite wretched. I mean, mm. really, really wretched. Yes. So I gave her, I fed her breakfast. I gave her a couple of ibuprofen, and I told her, go back to bed. And when she woke up, she felt fine. Right. The reason why is that her body budget was compromised. And she was feeling uh, distressed because because she was in, her body budget was intensely, uh, you know, running a deficit. And oftentimes we feel that as anxiety, that uh, what's happening really is that we literally are having um, pain in our gut or in, our, uh, in one of our internal bodily systems, but we experience it as distress. And in fact, um, it's well known now, I think, that People, for example, who have chronic pain um, can learn to separate the discomfort that they feel from the distress that they feel oh. at the discomfort. And just learning to do that, which is, you know, they often do with, with meditation, mindfulness meditation, mm-hmm. actually allows people to reduce their dependence on opioids and other pain medications. So oh. it's not trivial. This, you know, we're not, we're not. I'm not saying that it's easy or um, that uh, you can always talk yourself out of distress or that you can, if you just think happy thoughts, you'll be happy or or anything that's simplistic. But there are ways that you can be more of an architect of your own experience to get a handle on or at least setting the stage or setting the conditions for you to uh, feel uh, differently than you than you do now. Yes. So this is fantastic, by the way. Thank you. Where can people find out more about you? So I have a website, lisafeldmanbarrett.com. It's all one word. 
Um, on the website, the, they can find information about my book. There are videos where, uh, of talks that I've given to the public and also lectures that explain some of these ideas. Uh, there's also podcasts and uh, other articles that I've written for the New York Times and, uh, and various magazines and so on. Uh, if people are interested in my uh, academic work, they can. I have a, an, an academic website for my laboratory that I run, uh, which is uh, affectivescience.com, or they can probably just go online to Amazon or any uh, bookseller and, and, uh, and find my book pretty easily. And I also put all your information up on my show blog, which is getthefunkoutshow.kci.org, and I put a link to your popular TED Talk. Thanks so much. My pleasure. Well, I want to thank you so much for calling in. This has been great. Yeah, thank you so much for chatting. This has been really fun. If you missed any part of this, everything is up on my show blog, getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at moms, M-O-M-Z underscore rock. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine.